I really love the Lord. You don't know what he's done for me. Gave me the victory. I love him. I love him. I really love the Lord. And so, Lord God, we your people come into your house of worship this morning. We just thank you and praise you because we love you, God. Sometimes our actions don't indicate that we even know who you are. But, Lord, in our hearts, we love you. Sometimes the world can't see you in us because we act so nasty. Sometimes we feel like we can't see your presence because we have put things in our way that have blocked the relationship that we're supposed to have with you, God. But we're declaring right now, right here in this space, that we really love the Lord. The world doesn't know what you have done for us, but we know, God, that you have given us the victory. You have shown us so many times, from time and time again, that when we had nothing else, we at least had you. And so, God, we ask you this morning to continue to touch all our hearts. Continue on that prayer that Brother Nehemiah prayed to Brother Jesse, that he be restored. Not just healed, but completely restored. The same prayer we have for everybody here, everybody who's watching on, on Facebook, everybody who listens to the podcast, we're asking for restoration. Whatever the restoration may be, restoration in their bodies, restoration in their minds, restoration in their relationships, God. Restoration of finances, that those who are on the brink of disaster will find that they will have a, mir a miracle in their lives, that bills will get paid. People will step in because you commanded them and they talked to you in prayer and you commanded them to go and give this money to someone they may not even know. It is only because of you, God. You have done so much. You gave us the victory. And so, God, this morning, we just want to thank you. We lift up this nation as our president has traveled around the world that is right now in South and North Korea. We pray, God, that this is just not an opportunity for photos to show that he has done something that has never been done. But there is some fruit that is produced from this meeting. We don't want it to just be a photo op where people can brag about he did this and he did that unless there is some fruit. The fruit of peace. The fruit of prosperity and more importantly God, the fruit of your love. Touch him and his advisors that they turn away from their pride and their greed. That this nation will turn away from the xenophobic, myopic viewpoint of what we're supposed to be. And that we remember that when we call ourselves a Christian nation, we will no longer separate children from their parents at the border. We won't sit around here and call people illegal aliens on stolen land. Remembering that the people who founded this country took it unlawfully and now they have claimed it. And have children sick and dying. Claiming some kind of moral superiority in the world. Help us, God, to turn back to who you are. Turn back to your ways. And when we claim that we are a nation of God, that we are a Christian nation, that we live up to those words. And so, God, we ask that throughout this service that you touch each and every person here. Purify our hearts and our thoughts and our minds. That we will remember the victories that you've given to us. That we'll remember that you are our God. And remember the fact that we love you. Be with us and touch us, 
Lord, it's in Jesus Christ's name we do pray and believe. And all the people of God said, Amen. Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So good to see you, everyone, this today. Uh, so happy to be here, just to be alive. I really love that song. <laughs> when you really think about those words, sometimes when you, I know I've been in a place where I've really felt alone, and somebody will sing that song. You don't know what he's done for me. Given me the victory. And it just takes you to a place of realizing that you could not have made it, no matter how broke down you may have been, that you wouldn't even be in that place had it not been for God on your side. So I am so grateful that the Spirit moved Nehemiah to sing that because, boy, that is a, a song. Uh, so this morning we are going to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. Mark's Gospel. Chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. And we find these words. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I want to use for a theme this morning, prayer blockers. Prayer blockers. So last week, uh, I kind of was setting the tone as we get to the halfway part of 2019, the halfway point, rather, of 2019. Uh, and here we are, the last Sunday in June, which marks six months into this year. We've, we've been going on from the beginning of the year, the theme, the church theme of transformation. And, and we are here six months, halfway through the year. Uh, and we have been planting these seeds with the, the idea that at some point we're going to harvest some fruit, uh, uh, some evidence that we are indeed uh, transforming. Uh, now with certain seeds, we, we understand that just because we plant them, we're not necessarily going to see the fruit now, but there should be some evidence of growth. Yeah. Even if you're not full grown or fully developed, there should be some sprouting, some leaves or something that indicates that seeds of transformation have been planted in your life. And one of the things that we're trying to evolve to uh, for this transformation or an essential part uh, of, of becoming transformed is developing an effective and fervent prayer life. And, and as we talked about prayer blockers, it is important that we understand that as we transform, that we cannot have things blocking our prayers. Not as transformed Christians, not as, as babes any longer, but as mature Christians, no longer relying on milk, but able to take meat. Uh, James gospel, uh, or James, not gospel, James word in, in the fifth chapter, verse 16, he tells us to confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed because the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Yeah. And see, transformation is supposed to get us to this place that we call righteousness. That we are no longer who we used to be, but are different. And our prayers should be effective. 
and we should be fervently praying, and we should be righteous, and that we will understand that righteous prayers aren't blocked. Some of the times we, we think about the things we ask God for, and we haven't seen any evidence, we haven't even heard a no. Yes, no, or maybe. Because they're blocked by who we are. Our prayers are not getting to God. Something is holding up this communication, this link between us and God. Now, when you think about what a block is, the one thing I've always said about the English language, when I used to take German and, and middle school and uh, Spanish and high school, the people would say, oh, this is too hard. And I always thought English was harder than any other language I've ever studied because when we talk about something that's a block, I mean, this is a block, a street. We, you know, we live on a city block. Uh, here's a block. Uh, these are little building blocks where every kids are playing with them. Uh, so it's not the same block we're talking about blocking our prayers. Uh, here's a cinder block where we might see four walls or what we use in our houses to build a home or some kind of building. Uh, hotels reserve room blocks, blocks of rooms. This is not blocking your prayer. Uh, track runners have starting blocks. This is what they call block and tackle. All these words are talking about blocking what we had. And, and, and infamously, I have a friend of mine from, uh, I'll just say I have a friend, and even when my mom sees him today, she says, hollow blockhead. <laughs> This is a block, but this is not blocking our prayers. Uh, a block of ice. I mean, we keep all this, these words that a block can be for. Uh, it has nothing to do with our prayers. I know for me, I'm not thought about block. I thought about football, which, of course, my USC Trojan offensive line, their sole purpose is to block what I thought about with blocking our prayers, to keep the defense from getting to the quarterback. The defense only purpose is to get the ball out of the offensive hand. So they are trying to get through the offensive line, and their job is to block them and to prevent the defense from getting through. And if we look at that in the life of the Christian, we are supposed to be talking and investing and developing a relationship with God. But there are things in life that block that communication, that block that interfere or, or the communication and interfere with us Commuting with God. That's it. To block, as we have to understand it for today's purposes, is to hinder the passage, progress, or accomplishment of by or as if by interposing an obstruction. Blocking is hindering the passage, progress, or accomplishment by interposing an obstruction. What is the obstruction for us when we get down on our knees or laying in bed? or driving in our car, or walking down the street, what is blocking the communication to God? Uh, it also means to make unsuitable passage or progress by obstruction. Block can be an obstacle, or it impede, impede and interfere with progress. Has anybody ever thought about what it is that's impeding the progress of your prayers from here to God. 
What are we doing that why we, we are not developing strong relationship with God through our communication with him? As a transformed Christian or a mature Christian, we have to be acutely aware of all the issues that prevent our prayers from being impactful. What is happening in our lives? What are we doing? What is happening in the environment around us that is keeping our prayers from being effective? I've said this before. Part of the problem that we're seeing in the church, that we have seen for a long time in the church, is that there is no power in the church. When God says that if you are sick, you're supposed to go to the church and have the elders pray for you. But many times, the elders in the church are praying and nobody being healed. Something is happening that these prayers that we're praying is being blocked and not making it to God. Hebrews 5, 13 through 14 says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. We I think I brought this one up last week. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. When he says full age, these are transformed Christians. Yes, yes. This idea that we were playing church before and now we're serious, you have transformed to become full age. And he is saying specifically, anyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. And if you are unskilled in the word of righteousness, then you are allowing roadblocks or things that are coming to impede our progress or our prayers to God. Uh, and we know prayer is important to God because he told us what's going on. In 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. That's the condition. Then I will hear. He tells me. It, well, in Excel, you've probably been studying it. If-then statement. It's a conditional formatting when you use Excel in Microsoft. If I do this, then I will get this result. If we do this, then this will happen. And God is saying, if you will humble yourself and pray and seek my face and stop doing that stupid nonsense you've been doing your whole life, then I will hear you. The prayers will no longer be blocked. And he said further, not only will I hear you, I will forgive you and I will heal you. All the stuff we are looking for, he's telling us right here. The reason why your prayers are blocked is because you're not humble. You don't pray. You don't seek my face. And you continually to live your life in a way that is not pleasing to me. He said, turn from your wicked ways. How are you as a Christian supporting a government that is not Christian at all? But at the same point in time, fighting because you don't want this to become a Muslim land. You can't stand people who practice Islam because they're going to bring Sharia law. But you're not doing anything for God's law. You're complaining against 
anybody who is not a Christian, but you're not living a Christian life. You don't even realize you're criticizing yourself. How do you legitimately, with a straight face, when God says that because you were once a foreigner in a foreign land, to treat foreigners, the widows and the orphans, and what do we do? We got children that are bathing with no soap, no toothpaste, haven't seen their parents in over a year, and then get on national TV and talk about the fact that the parents are choosing to leave their children there, knowing that's a bold-faced lie. And we see child after child dying in our custody, and we want to call ourselves Christians. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Separating children from their families is wicked. Regardless of the reason why they're here, regardless of how you feel about immigrants and immigration, separating children, separating families is evil. But we know this is not new in this nation. They have a history of separating families. From the very founding of this country, they have separated black men, black women, and black children in the name of slavery. This ain't nothing new. Ecclesiastes tells them there is nothing new under the sun. They are just continuing on with a behavior that has been existing for hundreds of years. But we're talking about prayer this morning. Prayer is first and foremost communicating with God. Secondly, prayer is about building a relationship with God. So we should be trying to pray. We should be wanting to pray. Our heart's desire should be to pray because when we are building relationship with God, we will be transformed by being in his presence. All of us are transformed by the relationships that we have with other people. We should, because of our interaction, be completely different from where we were when we met somebody that we are close to, to where we are today. Hopefully different for the better. And if we believe that God is who he says he is, and we believe that who we say he is, that when we build a relationship with him, we should be transformed by that relationship with God. We would have a nation that would put aside their personal wealth and greed to understand and make sure that children are not separated from their families. When they talk about what we are paying per day to house children in these detention centers, we could have had them in a Marriott for less money. Where they'd have clean sheets, bread, towels, and beds. I'm sorry, not bread. Food, though. Running water. Private bathrooms. Where they're probably not getting abused because that's something that's probably going on out there with these kids. Uh, 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 But if we're transformed, that that is a sign that we are not transformed. Evangelical Christians will defend that policy till the day they die. And they call themselves Christians. The Gospel of Mark tells us that the day before Jesus cleansed the temple, that, I'm sorry, and this is what we read read in Mark, our topic scripture, was uh, uh, just before it happened, right after Jesus cleansed the temple. Uh, Verse 17 of that same chapter, it says, Then he taught them, saying, It is not written, is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. 
You remember the story. He comes in and finds the money changes and everything going in, and he threw tables over and threw them people out of his, his house. My house is not meant to this. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. Prayer is important to God. And he's expecting in particular that his house will have prayer that's taking place in it. And not only is it having prayer taking place in it, but he says for all nations. Not the xenophobic view that you can only come here if you believe what I believe. He says my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. And we wonder why there is no power here anymore. No power in this place where our prayers are blocked. Here are the three things that block our prayers. Some of the three additional things besides what we read in 2 Corinthians. Bad relationships, lack of faith, and unforgiveness. This forgiveness one is the one we struggle with the most. We might have a decent relationship with people, certain people. We have a relatively similar small amount of faith but unforgiveness forgiving somebody when they've wronged us I can't do it so prayer blocker number one bad relationships verse 25a and when you whenever you stand praying if you have anything against anyone that's conflict that's discord there Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, anything, this is the, I don't like the way you talk, I don't like what she said, I'm sick of this person, when they come in this room, I don't like them anymore, I can't stand this person, they said this, they did that, if you have anything against anyone. It's got to be resolved. 1 John 4, 20-21 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. The command, he said, from God. It's not an option. It's not a... Uh, a suggestion. He said a command that you must love your brother also. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, love your brother. Love your brother also. Uh, when we, we, we cannot continue to call ourselves believers, we cannot consider ourselves transformed if we are still stuck in the same anger and hostility we were stuck in 10 years ago. I haven't talked to this person and I'm not going to talk to them anymore. You haven't resolved this. So your prayer is not going to get it to God when you are praying and you still got issues in this baggage. This has got to go. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Prayer blocker number two, lack of faith. In verse 23, he says, For surely I say to you, 
Whoever says to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The key word, and does not doubt in his heart. As if people will say things with their mouths, but in their heart is a whole different ballgame. If you do not doubt in your heart, but believe, then these things will be done. When we are praying to God, we may have gone through the process and we've restored the relationships and we've gotten past those things. We've forgiven this person and we love that person. But now we're doubting whether or not God can do what God is going to do. If we are doubting the fact that God is not going to do it for me, if we are doubting that God is a healer or a provider or a sustainer, it won't happen. You are already putting that roadblock in place, the obstacle that is keeping your prayer from getting to God. He said, but if you believe that those things will be done, he will have whatever he says. James 1, 6 through 8 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Straight out he says from the beginning, let him ask in faith with no doubt. And then further describes when a person comes to God with doubt what you are. You're like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, going back and forth. You see these people that are just like that every day, they're just going back and forth. Now we just say they're bipolar. Yeah. He's saying they have no doubt. Today they're high, tomorrow they're low. I mean, literally, this is what it is. And he says, he is a double-bodied man, unstable in all his ways. Yeah. That's right. Yes, sir. You see these people, today they're high, tomorrow they're low. And I'm not going to want anybody sitting around there yelling at me and sending me nasty messages. I'm not criticizing people who need medication that have a chemical imbalance. We're talking about the metaphor of what it is to have lack of faith. Yes, yes. God's word. Yes. God's word. Yes. This is what you are like. Unstable. Unstable, unstable in everything. He said unstable man in all his ways. Everything you do is unstable because you do not have faith and you have nothing but doubt. Yes. Blocking your prayer. Prayer blocker number three. Unforgiveness. Uh, 25B. 25, especially, verse 25, especially the second part. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Boy, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. But he's telling you, when you pray, and you got something against somebody, you better forgive them. This is telling them right there. This is that thing. I will hear you if you do this. But we are not doing that. We, we for some reason, we, we want to hold everybody uh, in contempt of court for their actions. They will never be able to post bail and get out because we have set them up to a place that they are never getting out of jail. 
There is no get out of jail free card with us, with other people. You have wronged me. You have hurt me. You have said these things against me. You have uh, damaged my character. You have slandered my name. And therefore, you are condemned to unforgiveness for me. And God is straight out saying, whenever you stand praying, forgive him so that God will forgive you. Colossians 3.13 tells us that we are supposed to be bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. If you are sitting and praying and you have not forgiven somebody, don't expect God to hear your prayer. You haven't humbled yourself. I mean, ultimately, it becomes a pride issue that I can't forgive them because they did this to me. You so great and high and mighty that you can't possibly come in the presence of this person because they have wronged you somewhere. And he said, I can't hear you. La, 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 la. You have not done what I told you to do. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. A straight out command from God that we are to forgive because our forgiving of other people is directly tied to us being forgiven by God. But we want God to answer our prayer. And you got people stuck in bondage. Charles Spurgeon said, the man who refuses to forgive, refuses to be forgiven. Some of us are saying, that's not true. There's always somebody to tell you that ain't true about me. No, 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 no. But that's exactly what it is when you have the word of God that tells you that you have to forgive. Otherwise, you're not going to be forgiven. And you consciously make the choice that I am not forgiving this person, then you are refusing to be forgiven. You can protest that all you want, but if God tells you this is what you got to do and you make the decision that that's not what you're going to do, then you have decided that you don't want what God has for you. That is hard to take. That's easy to do. When you actually put this in context and, and, and really suck this up in your mind, and we, when we've been talking about this transformation, did you realize that your key to forgiveness is forgiving other people, but your refusal to forgive is literally saying, I do not want to be forgiven. Yes. God is basically giving you in his hand, here is forgiveness for you. But in order to take this, you got to forgive somebody else. You can't take this what's in my hand until you forgive somebody else. And your refusal to forgive is refusing the gift of God. How you going to expect God to answer your prayer when you won't even take his forgiveness? No wonder we're so jacked up. No wonder the church has no power. No wonder our nation is not great like some people thought it was. No wonder children are dying 
at our borders. The man who refuses to forgive refuses to be forgiven. This is a prayer blockers. We are blocking everything that God has for us. He is doing all these things. He has created this world. He has given us life and the people and the relationships that we're supposed to have. He has put us in the places where we're supposed to be. Given us the things that we need to have and we are refusing to acknowledge who he is. That scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14 he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Our relationships or lack of are blocking our prayers. Our unforgiveness is blocking our prayers. I forgot what that other one was. Our lack of faith is blocking our prayers. And God has shown us so much love, so much compassion, and so much patience. We will lose our mind in church talking about how good God is. We will sing the songs about the victory that God has given us. But when it comes time to making our relationships right, demonstrating faith and forgiving people, the question we have to ask ourselves as we transform or if we want to transform or to begin the transformation what is in my life that is preventing my prayers from getting to God what obstacles what blocks am I putting in the way that's blocking my connection to God and ask God to reveal those blocks and to remove them but the one thing I learned about prayer is a lot of times when we pray we already know the answer we're hoping God will tell us something different. We know the people that we're not right relationship with. We know the time that we have shown that we don't have faith in God because instead of trusting God, we took things in our own hands. And we know the people who we're holding in our hearts in unforgiveness. We know this already. And yet we'll go pray to God to say, show me where I'm wrong, God. You know where you're wrong. You know who you're not in right relationship with. You know you don't have an ounce of faith. And you know you haven't forgiven everybody you're supposed to. But God ain't hearing that prayer either. But we should know and ask. We should ask God still. Reveal to me the the hidden things. the, The attitude that exudes for this reason. Why is it that I always snap at this person and I can never say anything good to them? Why is it that I respond so harshly when people talk to me? 
Ask him to reveal those things. Ask him to talk about these, this lack of faith. Why do I continue to doubt you, God, and believe everybody else? And deal with the unforgiveness to give you the strength and the courage to humble yourself, to forgive these people. It's not up to them to accept the forgiveness or even offer it. They've often said that unforgiveness is keeping you in bondage. They're living their life. But you're the one caught up in the anger and the hostility of unforgiveness. And your prayers are being blocked because you're stuck there. So you need to ask God to break that chain of unforgiveness so that you can move on from the hurt, from the past, whatever it is these people have done, or you perceive them to do. And we can genuinely sing that song, I Really Love the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and praise you. We give your name glory and honor for being our God. Lord, we ask that you touch each and every person here today, each and every person that is watching on Facebook, everybody who's listening on the podcast, that you help us get our lives and relationships right, God. That whatever it is we have against anybody, we have worked this thing out. That we have gotten to a place and realized, God, that you have been our supply. And so we, we have building our trust and our faith in you. There's no more doubting. Help us, God, to reveal the things that cause us to doubt you. We want to be closer to you and, and have faith in all that you do. And finally, Lord, we ask that you touch our hearts and reveal the unforgiveness. What is triggering the anger and the hostility that causes us to hold these people in contempt? hold ourselves in bondage when they've living their they're living their lives and we're stuck right where we are help us God to get past those things we ask Lord that you continue to to touch us and help us to get to a place that you would have us to be your people because we want our prayers to be fervent and we want them to be effectual which means we have to continue to transform to a place of righteousness because you said in your word, the fervent and effective prayer of the righteous avails much. So we want to fervently seek you. And we want our prayers to be righteous, but we need to remove those blocks that are keeping that communication, that's stopping our relationship, that's stifling our growth. Help us, God, to cut away those things that keep us held back. Help us to grow, that your power will be manifest in our lives. Help us so we can see clearly that you are the true and sovereign God. And we will be so careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. For it is in Jesus Christ's name that we do pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Amen.